Hey friends, you're listening to Real Talk with Rachel, and I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert. I'm a therapist on a mission to bridge the gap between faith and therapy. Did you know if you have a sexual secret, you are not whole? Those were the very words today's guest spoke to me 10 years ago at a retreat. Her words of truth set me on a path to healing and freedom, and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if it hadn't been for that pivotal moment. Now, before I introduce her and tell you more about what we discussed on today's episode, let's welcome our new listeners. Tune in on Mondays for short talk therapy episodes. They're always under 20 minutes. And every other Wednesday, like today, we share guest interviews with people I hand select to speak into your life. Often those people are ones that have first spoken to my life as well. And as a reminder, these episodes are meant to be educational, not a replacement for your therapist. You're going to want to stick around until the very end of today's show for a short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. Well, as I mentioned on today's episode, I sat down with that same woman who challenged me to seek freedom. But this time, we're discussing her marriage, and she got real about navigating her husband's pornography addiction. If you missed my very first interview I did with Dana, it was episode 29 of this show. And I want you to go back and listen because we talked about something different then. And I want to also, if you're like, I have not heard of Dana Gresh, let me introduce you to her. Dana is the founder of True Girl, bringing moms and daughters closer to each other and closer to Jesus. Co-host of the Revive Our Hearts podcast, Dana has authored over 27 books, including And the Bride Wore White, Lies Young Women Believe, and Lies Girls Believe. Over 20,000 leaders and 100,000 moms have taught her curriculum, and over 500,000 people have attended her live events and retreats. I would be one of them. Dana and her husband, Bob, live on a hobby farm in central Pennsylvania. They have four adult children and four grandchildren. My friends, this was such a rich episode. It got behind my heart here on Real Talk with Rachel of having these conversations that we absolutely must have in order to live free. Dana has blessed my life above and beyond in so many different ways, I know you're going to love her. You're going to glean from this episode, whether you're married or not. So let's lean in and please help me welcome Dana to the show. Well, hello, Dana. Welcome back to the show. Hello. Oh, it's my privilege to be here. Yay. I was just looking up before we started. You were on episode 29. And just this week, we released like episode, I think, 170 or 171. So. that's so exciting. I have loved watching and following and how many people just love your podcast now. Oh, it's great. Yes. So thank you for your yes now. And even back then, because I know episode 29, I was just getting going. So you you (laughs) believed in me um, right at the start. So I, I thank you for that. And in fact, to the listeners, if you did not listen to episode 29, 
I rarely encourage people to go back to the beginning because, you know, we've improved a little bit since I started. You know, in the beginning, you don't know exactly what you're doing, but the Lord has been with us every step of the way. And the reason, if you're listening now, especially if you're a new listener and you didn't listen to that episode, I want you to go back is because I got to share a little bit of my testimony and even how the Lord brought you and I together um, and how you played a huge role um, in my freedom and in my marriage, and then in the ministry I'm doing today. And so, uh, you know, today we're probably not gonna have time to dive back into what we did in episode 29. But for the listener who would like some backstory, please go back and find that one. Uh, So, okay. I feel like if I remember correctly, you were in a closet for that episode. I (laughs) was. now you have this mic, this awesome mic and this setup. So, yeah. Yeah. I've, we've come a little bit of ways. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes I still miss my closet though. It was all, you know, it's cozy and yeah, Yeah. but I I'm grateful. So yes, we have definitely come forward. So before we jump into what we're going to talk about today for the listener who may not know you, what is something about you that I would not have just read on your professional bio? Fun fact. Something about me that's not on my professional bio. I am an avid snorkeler. I love snorkeling. Ooh. My happiest place is under the sea, un- under the water, under the surface. Under the Something surface. Something magical. Yeah. I feel like I'm with the Lord then. Just me and him discovering the most amazing things. Is that what you meant or something yes. professional? No, no, no. that's the first thing that came to my mind. No, I wanted fun fact because I <laughs> I always love professional bios. But I know for me, even when I hear somebody read it about me, I'm like, that's all fluffy and pretty, but like, do you want to know the real me? You know, like, yeah, right. <laughs> those are all the accomplishments <laughs> and all the things I've done. But uh, I just, I find it interesting to hear those things. So do you scuba dive or just snorkel? No, I tried, by the way, I tried once, but we almost died. Yeah. <laughs> with that happy experience. <laughs> I was like, okay. And I'm a little claustrophobic. So even with the snorkel gear, I have to like power my way through. I can do all things through Christ who can strengthen me yeah. for the first like, 10 minutes. So yeah. me and me and scuba gear were not good friends. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you're like, we almost died. So there's that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty good reason. All right. So today we're talking about, do you know how many books you've written? Have you kept track? Um, Between 20 and 30. I've had a co-writers for a handful of those. Okay. So I'd probably say 20 all by myself. Okay. So your most recent release, which we're talking about today, Happily Even After. Is this still mm-hmm. your most recent release, even as we're recording? <laughs> it is. Okay. Yes, it is. <laughs> all right. Um, share with the listeners, what is this one about? And like, yeah. yeah, I just want them to hear from you. Well, um, happily even after, because happily ever after is a myth. And we all have different reasons why we hit bumps in our marriage. But what's common is that we hit those bumps. And I truly believe, and my husband truly believes, that whatever that bump might be, there can be a happily even after through the power of Jesus and the power of his word. Now, for Bob and I, that was a really Uh, we had to roll up our sleeves, get in the counseling room, do a lot of hard work because our issue was um, my husband was struggling with pornography. And again, that is not an uncommon thing. About 70% of marriages, the husband's struggling and about 30% of them, the wife is struggling. So we're not in territory that's unfamiliar, but for Bob and I, when, um, when we got married, he said, you know, this has been a problem in my life, but we kind of both naively thought, well, now we're married, like real sex. Why would you want to, you know, that, and it, it didn't go away. So we 
jumped in the counseling room the first few years of marriage. We did a lot of hard work and Bob walked in a lot of freedom until a pretty big, bad relapse. And he sat me down in our two leather chairs in our living room and said, baby, I don't know how to make my way back to God's heart without breaking yours. And then quite honestly, he did. He broke my heart. Wow. Wow. How long have you two been married? I just asked him that yesterday because me and numbers are about as friendly as me and scuba equipment. I think he said 33 years, 33 or 34 years. I think it'll be 34 years coming up. Okay. And so what point in your marriage was this, the, the relapse? Well, we haven't really put a timestamp on it, but it was nearly a decade ago, a okay. little, little roughly about that time, yeah. about a decade ago. Well, and, mm-hmm. and let me tell you why I asked that, not because to be nosy or anything like that, but for the listeners, I think it's, yeah. I, I really appreciate that people hear that this is not something that, oh, we just dealt with in year one and now we're all better. You know, like that, because that can be another version of the happily ever after, right? Of like, oh, well, our story happened in that first year. But yeah, now 30 years later, we're all good. And we've not had any struggles since. Um, And I think some couples who've been in it for the long haul, I'm seeing this a lot in counseling, women who've been married 25 years, 30 years plus, they're feeling really discouraged because they're going, we should be over this by now. Wait, why are we still, everybody else is over. Why are we the only ones here? Yeah. So however you want to speak into that at all. Yeah. Well, Bob mm-hmm. and I like to say that whatever whatever your piece of forbidden fruit is in your life, generally we keep reaching out for that same old piece of forbidden fruit. Mm. And for some people that's food and overeating, for some people that's overspending, for some people that's gluttony, um, laziness, for some people that's pornography. And for my husband, when life was easy and going well, it was easy to say no to that. But then when things got really stressful and he was feeling pressure, um, he went back to the thing that he had learned to use as medication. And he really learned that as a little boy. I, I hope women can hear this well. And I hope I say this well, but it's easy to be angry at the man you're married to who's looking at pornography and feel like, oh, he's not being faithful to me. He's hurting me. This is sinful. Those things are true. But until you also look with empathic eyes and see the little boy that learned to medicate and didn't know what he was doing when he was 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, because that's my husband was 13 when he was first introduced to pornography. And the story I hear from wives and husbands over and over again is that it wasn't something that started when they were 30 or 25 or 50. It started when they were very young and they didn't really realize what was happening. And the fact is pornography is really almost as addictive as heroin in terms of the impact it has on the brain. And it can be really hard to dig out from that if you don't have the support and love of your spouse, as well as clinically informed Christian care. Yeah. Yeah. You said a comment that he said to you that I want to circle back around to, because that's really powerful of he doesn't know way back to God's heart without first breaking yours. Can you unpack that a little bit? Because I think that's really powerful and profound, not only on his part, but Mm -hmm. just for all of us, really. Yeah. Well, he wanted so desperately to be in intimacy with the Lord. But obviously, you can't be in intimacy with the Lord 
when there's sin in your life, sin separates us. That is the very definition of sin behavior that creates shame. Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed before they ate that piece of fruit. And what about eating a piece of fruit made them feel distance from God? Like they had to hide shame did that emotion that as far as we know, didn't exist before the fall. And for my husband, he felt that very acutely. It's our deepest, most private emotion. And it can create such havoc in our relationships. And for Bob, it was creating a lot of havoc in his relationship with God, as well as his relationship with me. And he just got to the point where he realized that what the scripture says is true. James 5, 16 says, if you confess your sins one to another, then you will be healed. And forgiveness is something that only God can do. But he gives us each other, the body of Christ, to do the work of healing in our hearts when sin has corrupted them. And so Bob really knew the only way back is for me to confess this to my wife, even though he'd tried, he'd tried, but he couldn't really get past the shame because there wasn't going to be true intimacy with me if there was that secret in his life, even if it was something he moved past. And I know what that's like having had sexual sin in my past. Like if that wasn't something I could disclose and converse with Bob about, I would feel very lonely in that part of my life. I didn't want that for Bob and he didn't want that for himself. We wanted to have an intimate marriage relationship and nothing was going to get in the way of that. So that meant hurting. That meant him telling me the truth. That meant disclosure. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? We all, if, if you know, you're married and listening today, I think all of us can say we want intimacy with our spouse, yeah. but sometimes right. we don't fully understand what we're asking for in that, you know, because because intimacy isn't just the good. It is obviously the good, but it's also the hard as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, you probably heard into me see intimacy means into me see. Well, it's easy on your wedding day to look at the future and dream of the happily ever after you know, there's like a before love, I call it before all of the hardship, before all of the hurt and disappointment and pain, whatever that may be, financial challenges, unfaithfulness, uh, sick children, sick, one of you being sick, like the before love is so easy, but the after love, if I can look into Bob and he can look into me and see the good, the bad and the ugly, like that's truly being known, right? That's when I'm more loved than at the beginning, the before love, because now I'm loved even though, Mm -hmm. and there's something really uh, special about that. And a lot of couples, I don't think ever get to that. Mm -mm. They hold secrets. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's like the Christ-like love, the unconditional, right? I know I feel the exact same way Mm -hmm. when you share something with your spouse and they still, they stay or they choose to forgive. uh, That's when you go, okay you really love me like before. I know you. Yeah. Like you told me, but now we're actually in the thick of it. And we've had those moments too, where I've had to share things and, and same thing with Matt and I, where you go, we're about to test and see like how, how Uh real is this? Yeah. 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 Well, you know, something that's interesting to me is, you know, as Christians, we believe that marriage is a picture of the love of Jesus Christ for the church. Right. Mm -hmm. And we get this idea in our head that, oh, I want to paint a picture of the gospel with my love, with my marriage and my spouse. But let's think about that for a second. That means that we are willing to enter into the sin and ugly of the other person. 
Yeah. That's what it means. And I, for a long time, when Bob and I were struggling, I believed a lie. My marriage is not a picture of the gospel because I felt shame over Bob's behavior. I felt embarrassment when I would talk to my friends. I don't feel that anymore. I've been really healed of that, but I believe that lie. But the fact is we are uniquely a picture of the love of Christ for the church when we choose to play the role of Jesus in forgiving and being a part of the redemption and healing of our husband or our wife. Mm. Yeah. Oh, this is so, so good. So let's hear it. What was your response when he did sit you down and, and tell you that? <laughs> well, it's funny, Rachel, because I, I knew before I knew, and so many women tell me this, like for about 18 months, I thought maybe Bob was just stressed out, but, um, during that time, I, he felt very distant to me. He wasn't emotionally present. He was in the room, but not really in the room. At the same time, I was experiencing a lot of sickness. I was being tested for things like lupus and Lyme's disease, chronic inflammation, body pain, joint muscle pain, headaches, just weird things going on, stomach problems. They couldn't really figure out what it was. Looking back, Bob and I have some language now that you know your body there's a book called your body keeps the score because your body is measuring what's happening in a relationship and trying to say, Hey, wake up. Something's not right here. Are you catching the lack of eye contact? Are you catching the distance in his heart? And your body's trying to say, pay attention. Something's wrong. Fix it. You're in danger. Something's in danger here. And I was experiencing those symptoms. So when Bob confessed to me, uh, simultaneously, I was enraged and hurt as well as, ah, this makes sense. The puzzle pieces are fitting together for me. So there was a little bit of a sense of relief. And we were able to kind of sit down and say, okay, this is where we are. For right now, Dana has to put her hurt aside because I have a husband whose brain is not working well or he would not be acting in an addiction in addiction mode, right? So let's go into problem solving mode and let's make some decisions about what we're going to do together. Now I did get to a place where I had to take care of my own heart, but it wasn't that day. Um, at first we just had to put our, our, our hearts aside and get our brains engaged as a couple into what is our solution and what is our plan. Did you know I sent a monthly therapist thoughts email? Now, I promise it's not your average newsletter. Each month, I share a personal note from me. Can't find it anywhere else on the internet. I share my favorite finds, podcast updates, and a free therapy resource. If you want to go sign up for that or really any of the other free resources that I have, go to rachelgilbert.com. That's R-A-C-H-A-E-L-G-I-L-B-E-R-T.com. Click the freebies tab and then click Therapist Thoughts to join the community. I want to go back to, you talked about the forbidden fruit, and yeah. you, you two talk about that, and I see this a lot too, not just in counseling, in my own personal life as well. Like, same thing, when you hit those stressful that you yeah. go back to certain things. How can we keep that from happening? Like, what is our, what's our safeguard against this type of stuff, right? Once we start to know, okay, yeah. this is my thing that I'm tempted to go back to. How do we keep this from happening? I think you become so satisfied in the ultimate medicine, which is Jesus, that those counterfeit medications become less appealing. 
And that sounds like such a Jesus answer, but I don't know of a different one. And Bob doesn't know of a different one. And it's interesting because, you know, a lot of times I meet people who are very, they say all the right things about Jesus healing them, but there's not the depth of the work that he's done in their heart. You have to go to the deep places. You have to go to a place where you really say, not just for Bob, I use pornography, but why did I do that? Let me trace this back to whatever lies I was believing in my childhood. And for Bob, he was able to be, to, to identify that he was believing lies that he had to be the hero in his home, that he couldn't say when he was hurting, that he couldn't say when he was troubled. He had to be the quiet one. He had to be the good boy. And so what do you do with all that loneliness? Well, eventually you start to find a medication since you can't go to your mom or your dad and say, I'm hurting. Where do you go? And he went somewhere that wasn't healthy. Um, he also, he has these memories of a really just beloved uncle telling him, Gresh is never finish and you'll never finish because you're a Gresh. And so like that he could never measure up, that he could never be. Well, then when you take those lies that you identify and you go into God's truth about what does God say about me? And you start to unravel those lies, then you can start to live in the truth and the joy. And that's not an easy process. That's why I say you need clinical care that has to be faith-based, Christian-based, you know, psychology and behavioral science is great at diagnosing, oh, you have an addiction. You have an addiction to pornography. You have a dependency, a chemical dependency to dopamine, right? But it's not very good at the solution because what we need when sin has embroiled our lives is redemption. And the only one that can do that is Jesus. So we need to be in the word, but you really do need that clinical care too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you feel like it takes to get somebody to their breaking point where they want things to change? Do you know what I mean when I ask that? Yeah. Like, because so many people I talk to, and again, myself included, so please hear me anytime I'm not throwing everybody else under the bus and that I'm never there. But like, we know when we're engaging in something that's not good for us, that's sin, that is like so unhealthy, but it does. I've noticed it takes getting to the end of yourself or this, I don't know, you know? Right. Have you observed what well, that is? Well, it does take getting into yourself. And I guess the answer that's coming to my head is that hopefully there are people in our lives who, when they see that, when they see that we are overspending, overworking, overeating, there are people that help us establish boundaries. And in for a wife whose husband is using pornography, it is so important and so holy to say you know what? I don't have a tolerance for this. God calls us to be holy. And this isn't holy behavior. This isn't holy thinking. And so here's my boundary. I need you to get a dumb phone and I need you to put covenant eyes on your computer and tell your best friend, make your best friend, your accountability partner. And if you do that by tomorrow night, then that's awesome. The bedroom is open to you. But if you don't, you're sleeping in the guest bedroom. Like, I'm serious about this. And if it's something that's really escalated, which pornography almost always does escalate, you know, it might be the kind of thing where you say you need a dumb phone and you need covenant eyes on your computer and you need an appointment with a Christian therapist within a week or 
you're not only sleeping in the guest bedroom, like maybe you can call your mom and dad, they might have a room for you. It does sometimes take boundaries like that. And Bob and I have a podcast, just a few episodes um, on this topic. So husbands and wives can listen together um, to both sides of our story. And, you know, there are stories on there about pornography escalating into affairs or, or prostitution or meeting people on chat online for phone sex. And sometimes you have to say, listen, if this is going to be, if this kind of unfaithfulness is in our marriage, you know, I'm not willing to participate in that. And you hear stories of some of these women saying, I'm done. I've been patient. I've been faithful. And if this is what you're going to choose, I'm going to go live with my mom and dad. And when they do that, that's when that husband got to ground zero. That's when he said, okay, Jesus, I'm down here in a pit and I don't know how I got this broken, but you are my only hope. And that's when they started to win. So everybody's point is different. Yeah. Um, And I would say sometimes we have to be a part of helping someone get to that point. Yeah. And that's okay to do. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for that practical advice about boundaries. And then, like you said a few times on this episode, that's definitely the point where a good Christian counselor can help you set those kinds yeah. of boundaries and do that kind of exactly. stuff. Yeah. Um, I want to also circle back around to something you said a little bit ago, because this is actually a topic that I get kind of excited about slash passionate about when you mentioned that Jesus being the answer. And then, you know, I know that sounds like the good Jesus answer and I actually love that answer so much because I have noticed, I was on a podcast several months ago and they asked me the question, what do you think is something that we need to stop apologizing for as Christians? And the thing that came to me was, I feel like we need to stop apologizing for our good Christian answers. Meaning like, you know, I've I've even found myself (laughs) apologizing. I know this is going to sound super Christianese, but but you're right. Jesus is the answer, you know? And I'm like, I just feel so convicted of that, that we can, it almost feels like it. And maybe it's because we've seen it in so much in religious settings or people try to slap, you know, and not really mean it on a heart level or something. I'm not sure where the apologizing has come from, but I actually loved that you gave that answer because Jesus is the answer. I'm like, you're right. (laughs) You know, you're so right. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good word. Yeah, I know. So I'm like, don't, yeah, I'm like, I I wanted the listeners to hear that. I'm like, I kind of swooped, you said it, and then we moved on (laughs) to something else. And I was like, I need to make sure we actually circle back around to that because (laughs) it is, it's true. And it it does. And and that's something I love. um, I love how too, you know, he changes, changes our heart in ways that only he can. So, okay, so let's go try to wrap this up a little bit on if there's somebody listening today. Yeah. And they're, yeah, they're, let's say it's a woman listening and her husband is, they're going through this, like in the thick of it. What is yeah. some words of encouragement you have for her and her heart in this? Because I know initially you yeah. said you you had to kind of tend to things differently in your heart uh, along the way as well. What would you say to her? Well, I would say first and foremost, you're not alone. You are not alone. The enemy wants to make you feel like you're alone. And as comfortable as the church has gotten with talking about sexual challenges and issues and sin, we're still not comfortable talking about pornography addiction because if we were, we would know how many people were actually struggling. The second thing I would tell you is though you do need to give grace and tough love boundaries to your husband, and that's a hard mix to find. You've also got to do your own healing. 
my counselor, my Christian therapist, Pete said, cause I didn't want to do my own healing. I wanted Bob to be my healer. Well, only Jesus is our healer. So anytime you're waiting for your husband to be doing your healing, then you've got things out of order. But he said, Dana, let's imagine you're at a restaurant and a waiter just like slams through that swinging door, hits you in the nose and your nose is bloody. It needs to be cauterized. And the waiter is so sorry. They're like, I'm, I'm profusely sorry. I'm so embarrassed. I'm, uh, there's anything I could do. And it's heartfelt. So you forgive them. But who needs to go to the hospital and get their nose cauterized? I do. I still do. And it's like that when your husband hurts your heart, you still have to go do your own work. So find that women's group, that women's group that they understand what you're walking through. Get your own Christian counselor. Do the work that you need to do. And if he does the work he needs to do, then when you come together, your couple work is going to be so much more effective. Yeah. And I love that because um, I I would love to hear if you experience this at all, but I know in counseling women, sometimes when their husband is going through something like this, they take it to mean that something about them personally. Um, yeah. I don't know if you that happened to you at all, like it was their fault um, some way or not. Well, fortunately, I've been deep in the realm of sexuality and sexual theology and sexual healing for a long time. Um, that I kind of knew that it wasn't, I think maybe in the first year of marriage, I might've felt some of that, but um, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not about hot bodies. It's not about good sex. You could, you could be having a relatively reasonably healthy sex life. If your husband's not on the far end of the spectrum of addiction and um, it, it could, it's, it's not about you. Yeah. Lust and real sex have almost nothing to do with one another. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I want. I I felt like somebody needed to hear that today. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up here. Um. You guys discovered seven essential beliefs that every marriage needs to survive these broken places. Tell us just one of them. Trust is a gift you choose to give. That's a really hard. Everyone's always saying, "How do I rebuild trust?" And I had to really wrestle with this one because the Bible tells us not to trust in mere humans. It warns us against that. We're only to trust in the name of the Lord. But a relationship as sacred as marriage should be built on trust to some degree. And so I had to really work through that with one of our marriage coaches. And he, he likened it to every time Bob did something protective of his heart and mind and eyes, that that was like filling up my cookie jar. <laughs> he called it my cookie jar. It's like when Bob goes to a therapy appointment, that's a cookie in your cookie jar. When Bob meets with his small group, that's a cookie in your cookie jar. When Bob gets another week or month or year of sobriety, you know, that might be a whole birthday cake in your cookie jar. Like you've got to look at those things and give him some credit. You don't blindly give trust to someone they do earn it to some degree, but at a certain point, you have to say, I choose to give you the gift of my trust, even though I know that tomorrow you could blow it and tomorrow I could blow it. Trust is always a gift. At the marriage altar, you gave your husband the gift of trust. He gave it to you. We both know we vowed in sickness and in health. That mean we knew that meant we knew there would be some hard times coming, but we're going to choose to trust in each other. So really, um, well, read the book or listen to the free podcast on that topic because yeah. it's a hard one, but building trust can be done. Yeah. It just has to be done with a lot of wisdom and counsel and care. Yeah. I love that we end on this because it kind of ties us back around to where we started when you said for y'all, it meant work. 
right? Like yeah, that, right. that this that yeah. just your reconciliation and redemption in this area meant, and th- and this is just one more area, the trust area that that took work and one day That's at a time. Right. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, for sure. Obviously, the listeners are going, okay, we barely scraped the very tip of the iceberg on this topic. Yeah. And I know they want to hear more. Of course, they can get this book happily even after. Is the podcast named that as well? Yes, it is. Okay. Um, anywhere else they can connect with you or if they're just like, I need to know more, I want to learn more, Where where's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, check out danagresh.com. I'd love to have you stop by. Okay, perfect. And that link and all the other links we talked about will also be in today's show notes. Well, Dana, thank you for taking time mm-hmm. to come on. Any final, I mean, you've said lots of words of encouragement to the listeners, but anything else on your heart you want to just end with today at all? Just remember that Jesus is your redeemer. Counseling is not your redeemer. My book is not your redeemer. Rachel's podcast and my podcast, those are not your redeemer. Jesus is your redeemer. If God uses those things as tools in your life, that's awesome. But never stop looking to him. Amen. That's a beautiful Mm. place to end. Well, thank you again Mm. for coming on the show. I appreciate you. My pleasure. God bless. It's time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show where we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. At the beginning of today's episode, I said a pretty strong statement. I said, if you have a sexual secret, you are not whole. And I hope that that statement actually encourages you. Let me explain, because I know all of us, we want to live whole, right? We want to live free. We don't want to be stuck in any area. And I have seen personally and professionally, sexual secrets keep people stuck almost more than anything. And I also want to define sexual secret just a little bit here for you. I think sometimes we can hear that phrase secret and we think something bad, maybe something you chose to participate in that maybe you you knew I shouldn't be doing this, but you did it anyway. But I also want to open your eyes to understand that sexual secret also encompasses abuse, rape, all kinds of trauma, things that were done to you that you had no control over. And if that's you listening today, I just want to tell you, I am so sorry that that happened to you. And I know we did not discuss this in particular on today's episode, so please hear me out on this. I'm trying to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit here. Because of course, in today's episode, we were discussing more pornography and within the marriage. And here's the thing though, that is a sexual secret, right? That had to eventually come out. Just like Dana told us today, how she said her husband admitted, hey, in order for me to get back to the heart of God, I'm gonna have to break your heart, right? I just love that statement that he knew In order to get back to the heart of God, he had to bring that secret up and out and let somebody else in. So I want to encourage you, if you're listening today and maybe you're the one struggling with pornography, uh, I don't care if you're male or female, that is a struggle across the board for both male and female. But maybe you're also listening today and your secret is something that was done to you years ago that you've never told anybody about. I can't tell you the number of women I have counseled who have sat across from me and told me something they've never shared with anybody 
And it might have happened decades ago. I recently had a woman tell me something that happened five decades ago. Five decades ago, do the math, that's 50 years ago that she'd never told anybody. And this is a very common thing. So I want to encourage you, if you're listening today, as I mentioned in the introduction, I'm not your counselor. (laughs) But if that's you and you, the Holy Spirit during today's episode, or even as I'm talking right now, brought to your mind, oh yeah, I do have something I've never shared with anybody before. I want to encourage you, please don't wait. Get professional help now. If you already have an established relationship with a counselor, schedule an appointment and say, okay, today's the time I want to talk about this. Maybe you don't have a counselor yet. If you don't and you you would like a Christian counselor, I always recommend aacc.net. That's the American Association of Christian Counselors. Great way to find some in your area. Find somebody that is safe that you can talk to through this with, okay? That is my heart for today. I just really felt the Lord wanted me just to remind you of, hey, you don't have to walk this alone. And the moment we bring something out of the dark, whether it's sin or shame or whatever the thing may be, the moment we bring it out, all these pains, all these traumas, it loses power because now there's light shed on it, all right? I want to pray for you. Lord, I thank you for every single person who is sitting under the sound of my voice. Holy Spirit, draw near to the brokenhearted. As we have discussed a very sensitive topic on today's episode, that as things are coming up, you would tend to the brokenhearted. You would lead them in the direction of help that they need, that there would be restoration, that there would no longer be anything in the darkness but things would come up and be restored and redeemed and made new. Jesus, do what only you can do in these moments. We ask this in your name. Amen. Well, my friends, I pray that this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I will see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel. 